This is Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing with Dr. Denise Johnson, a show dedicated to the integration of spirituality, faith, mental health, and emotional wellness. I believe where your spirit leads, your emotions, power, and destiny will follow. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Christian Emotional Wellness Expert and Licensed Mental Health Professional, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the excellent topic for today's show is the fertility journey and pregnancy loss, traditional and holistic tools to manage the unexpected and unimaginable. And my guest is Dr. Lori Johnson. Dr. Lori Johnson is a licensed marriage and family therapist with more than 25 years as a clinician, educator, and clinical supervisor. She is a clinical fellow of the American Association for Marriage and Family and has served on its state and national boards. One of her specialties is helping her clients navigate uncertainty in their relationships and overcome the emotional challenges that come with their fertility journeys. Dr. Lori combines her licensed clinical background and personal experience into a holistic and therapeutic approach. She lives in Hermosa Beach, California, and in her spare time, she enjoys salsa dancing, traveling, reading, and riding her motorcycle. <laughs> well, Dr. Lori, it is my absolute joy and honor and privilege to have you as a guest today, and I want to thank you for your openness of heart to share your journey with me and my audience. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm truly honored to be here to talk about my journey um, as a clinician and also as someone, you know, who has struggled with this issue personally, so I'm really looking forward to sharing my message. Me too. So I'm going to dive into the first question. So can you yes. tell us some about your personal history? Yes. So as you stated, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist um, in private practice in the Los Angeles area, and okay. I've been practicing for well over 20 years, 25 years, excuse me. And um, in addition to being a clinician, I'm a wife, um, a stepmother, a salsa dancer, and world traveler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, for the past six years, I've also battled fertility issues that has in okay. included four pregnancy losses. Oh, so. Boy. Yes, it's been quite a journey and one that, you know, has been, you know, really characterized by a lot of disappointment and ups yeah. and downs and, and a lot of grief. But um, now it feels really good to be on a different side of that process and being able to, to share that and especially from the unique perspective of also being a clinician. Yes, it's excellent. So can you tell us some about your spiritual history? 
Yes, I've always grown up surrounded by the church and had a strong sense of faith, um, even if at times I wasn't formally connected, you know, like when you go off to college and you are yes. just kind of experiencing different things. But, you yes. know, I always I always knew that there was something, you know, that God was, was there and there's always something there greater than, than me, um, you know. And so, but I was christened in the Lutheran church and baptized uh, in the Baptist faith. And um, so I come from a, you know, family that is, you know, very rooted in the church. I mean, my grandfather was kind of considered a dean of pastors in the seminary nice. in, the, in our in our local community, and my father is a deacon in the in the church as well. So, so the very strong connection there. Yes, that is excellent. So, how do your personal and spiritual histories contribute to who you are as a person and to what you're doing today? Well, my faith is, is it's always been pretty clear. Um, you know, like I said, it just, I just always knew that, that God was around me and, and, and I found him to be very, um, just grounding and yes. so this touch, this touchstone. And so it's always helped me have a clear sense of who I was, um, and trusting that there's something larger than me. And, yes. and there's, there's really a lot of comfort in knowing that because it means yes. you, you don't always, you don't always have to have the answers. Um, yes. but you, sometimes we just have to seek them. And there are so many ways to, to do that, you know, spiritually and, you know, and holistically. And, and, and I really yes. like to kind of combine the two because they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you know, I agree. So I, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and I think the, also the wonderful thing about practicing at this time in our country is that I believe that most people are really hungry for an integration of spiritual and holistic methods into their yeah. traditional psychotherapy. And and the, the one and the wonderful thing about that is that each of those things brings something additional, I think, to the client that they wouldn't have if they were doing those three things separately. So it's just exciting uh, to be able to Absolutely. work during these times. It is. I agree. I completely agree. Excellent. So, what are some of the most common fertility struggles affecting women? Some of the most common fertility struggles are you know, ovulation problems or, you know, okay. maybe not knowing uh, a little bit about one's, you know, uh, ovulation system. Um, we okay. are also seeing women, you know, struggle with fibroids, endometriosis, mm. okay. blocked fallopian tubes or, or uterine problems. Um, so those are some of the most common, you know, uh, issues that are impacting women. And, you know, and, and fertility struggles are becoming more common. And, and I think maybe also because we're talking about it more, whereas before yes. I think we used to suffer in silence. But right. um, we, we still don't have a clear sense of whether or not this is also to, related to the fact that sometimes people are waiting a little bit later to start their families okay. than before. Right. Um, and and, and I'm, I'm, the, the data is still kind of coming out on that, the long-term data. So I'm still kind of waiting to analyze that. But, um, but you know, people are waiting later to start families. They want to be yes. established in their careers. Um, you know, right. they want to make sure they find their partners. Yes. And so, so we're seeing the age of marriage, you know, inch up, whereas before, yes. um, you know, in the early, you know, you know, in the mid-1900s, it might have been, you know, early 20s. And now we're seeing people skew later in their 20s, and which means that they're getting married at 27 and 29 than 
we are prolonging or pushing back the time that you know we start having children and so there can be some potential challenges around that as well yes yes and, and yeah. I also think that most of us I think take for granted that you would be able to get pregnant and have a baby whenever you want to have one exactly um, but, exactly but I think that this affects more women than I think people realize um, absolutely absolutely and you know what infertility struggles aren't just relegated to to women you know there are I, I think we talk about fertility issues with women okay. m- more so because we are the ones who are having the children and you know yes, our systems yes. are the one that supports that and and so there are more things that can happen obviously um, between what's happening with the uterus the fallopian tubes or the ovaries and the hormonal yes. systems that are you know kind of working you know within our bodies um, but you know there are male factor issues too that can be an issue so we have issues around sperm count um, where some men might not make uh, as much sperm as they need to or there might be issues with motility which is how the sperm moves or or there could be issues with morphology which are structural issues within the sperm and so so we're not talking about that either. And so, you know, we, we, we will see, like, women are typically the ones that will make the appointments to start yes. the process to understand what's going on. Um, you know, and men have a little bit more difficulty looking at, you know, there potentially being an issue with them. Um, yes. You know, I think there's a lot of pride tied to being able to produce and reproduce, yes. excuse me. And, um, you know, so it can be a little bit challenging for men as well. But women are, you know, we, we, we're very strong beings and we like to drive conversations and we are pushing the conversation around that. Thank yes. goodness we are. We're passionate yes. about that. And yes. um, so that is, uh, I, th- I see that as a strength. And so, yes. you know, so we might see it. And I think that's why we, we talk about the struggles particularly uh, related to women, even though, you know, men are, men are out there too and they're struggling as well. All right. Excellent point. Excellent point. Let me ask, do you think that fertility yeah. issues are related to the increasing level of stressors that people are under these days? Because I wonder uh, how stress probably is affecting um, not only the emotions, but I'm also thinking about the structures of the body that are supposed to do certain things. I would imagine right. stress can block that as well. You know, absolutely. I mean, the, the research has been going back and forth for the past decade about what comes first. Is it the stress or is it, you know, or, or is it the infertility or fertility struggle? Okay. And so I think you can find data actually that supports both you know, both uh, positions. Uh, the, the fertility, you know, the fertility journey in and of itself is a stressful one. It's not yes, helpful. Yes. And when you can, when you yes. continue to think about this isn't happening, you know, month after month or year right. after year, right. um, that, that, cre- that creates stress within the body and our bodies do have a reaction to that. We start yes. to associate con- trying to conceive with disappointment or failure. Yes. And these are messages that our body remembers and holds on to. Yes. So if that is what yes. your body is holding on to, um, and that is the overall narrative um, that you are trying to distance yourself from and stay positive, but it's still impacting, yes. you know, your, yes. your, your cells remember. And so that's what some of yes. the, the, the research is telling us. And, and, and there's this wonderful book out there called The Body Keeps Score by Dr. Bessel. Yes. Bessel. Yes. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yes, I am. So, 
<laughs> so I think that is, you know, circulating a lot in the in the in the in the clinical community right now. But his research yes. has just been so wonderful in helping us understand, um, you know, and also for us to start to think about, you know, fertility issues as trauma, and yes. you know, and yes. so yeah, yeah, broadening that conversation about in terms of how to work with that differently, and also how to manage the stress because you know you think stress will we will increase cortisol levels and you know and that is not a helpful you know uh, kind of uh, hormone to to kind of have you know floating in the body regardless so yeah yeah excellent excellent and it, it all underscores you know the mind the body and the spirit really are one yes and yes. if something affects one system it is going to have a, a negative impact across all three of those systems and i think a lot of us think about fertility issues mostly as physical issues um, right. without understanding that it is the state of our emotions uh, and i'm going to say that our, the strength of our spirits that are also going mm-hmm. to interact with uh, you know anything that the body is going through Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about that mind-body connection, and, and, and that is such a huge part of my work with clients. I mean, I yes. just, you know, I, I can't separate the two yes. as far as I see it. So really understanding, um, you know, that connection, helping clients understand that systemically. And so when I think about the mind, body, and the spirit, I mean, that's where spirituality comes into. And, it's, right. and I think a huge part of that integration that we were talking about earlier and the need for that and people are searching for that yes Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. they are so let me ask what are some of the most common fertility struggles affecting couples so, you know, the most common fertility issues that are affecting couples, well, first of all, I'd like to, you know, let your audience know that, you know, one in eight couples uh, are strugg- will struggle with, with infertility. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot more than what we think. Um, so right. you have one in eight couples struggling uh, with fertility issues, and then you have at least one in four women who have suffered pregnancy loss. So 25%, okay. um, and, and I actually think that might be a little bit on the lower side, but it's, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's the data that we have right now. So yes. when you think about these male factor fertility issues or these female factors and you kind of combine them, you know, in the state of feeling just disappointed um, and, and pregnancy not happening, it's, you know, you've got the, the miscarriages, multiple pregnancy losses in some respects. Um, so that is part of the, the struggle, I think, that affecting couples and also the fact that, you know, each person might respond to the struggle differently, which I think creates... Um, you know, a, a challenge in how to, to navigate. So, you know, yes. women, women and men typically have different styles of handling their problems, yes. and so they will approach those strategies, or excuse me, those struggles, you know, quite differently. Yes. Yes, so I was mm-hmm. going to ask you how the fertility journey affects the couple relationship. Well, trying to conceive is incredibly stressful, especially when it's not happening and you see your friends, you know, seemingly having children so easily around you. And you might be being told, you know, that couples might be, you know, told that, you know, oh, well, just wait until it's you and enjoy your time. And, you know, not really knowing that, you know, the the couple is really struggling to, to have a child. And, you know, so the different styles that women and men, you know, take to manage their emotions, I mean, women are, you know, kind of usually 
usually more verbal. And so we will speak yeah. out, um, you know, conversations with our friends or talk about that more directly. And, and I think men derive a sense of comfort differently, um, right. you know, so they, they might engage more in activities or might play sports. And, and that's how that, but the, the activities might generate, you know, kind of conversations where they might check in with each other. Um, they still serve very similar purposes. They just, you know, how they get there might be different. Um, yeah. But I think honor, honoring that difference is key because sometimes when we are looking for support in our spouse, um, we can forget how our spouse um, likes to give it and or yeah. likes to receive it. So it is really the trying to blend those styles and recognizing that, you, you know, that each person is, 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 is really experiencing pain and dealing with it in his or her own way. And it doesn't mean that the other person isn't impacted by it. It just means that it looks different. So I think really having to make that translation is important. And that's what I help my couples do in session when I see them really struggling with, you know, they had a failed IUI cycle or a failed IVF cycle. And, you know, and the, the wife is feeling really upset because the husband's not upset enough for something yes, and yes, and yes. Um, and when we really dig deep and 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 we look at you know the feelings that are that are really informing how each of them is responding you know she's feeling you know scared alone sad and disappointed and he is too it's just it looks differently and so yes. you know it's, so i really try to help create space for couples to understand that so that when they go through these trials, you know, maybe the next time there is a little bit more space to have some compassion for, you know, what he might need a little bit more space or she might need a little bit more space before, you know, moving forward. And and it's not a bad thing. It's just about what one needs emotionally. Right. Well, I think this is an excellent place for a break. Please join us after the break when my guest licensed mental health professional, Dr. Lori Johnson, who practices in Hermosa Beach, California, will talk more about the fertility journey and pregnancy loss. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the topic for today's show is the fertility journey and pregnancy loss, traditional and holistic tools to manage the unexpected and the unimaginable. And my guest is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lori Johnson, who practices in Hermosa Beach, California. 
And I think mm-hmm. people underestimate the impact that fertility issues have on, I don't know, I'm going to say the, the physical relationship even of the couple. Um, Absolutely. A lot of times that changes. And, and I also yes. have seen that fertility issues actually hit men and women at the core of their being quite yes. often. Um, and, and can bring up other issues that, that are related to their core, right? You know, Absolutely. for women, wh- what does it mean to be a woman? And if I can't give my husband a baby, what does that mean about me and as a woman? And if, and if I have abandonment issues or other issues around family and things, I, I can see all of this being, like, tied together in one big messy ball of wax, Right. It, it really is. It really is. And, and I'd love to speak to what you said about how it impacts the intimate relationship, because that yeah. is something that we don't talk a lot about. I think, you know, first and foremost, we're uncomfortable talking about sexual intimacy and relationships, um, or I, but I think the conversation is advancing. But, yeah. it, you know, sex, sex can still be a taboo topic. And, right. you know, so, so then if you are having issues with, with reproducing, and then you have to seek out, you know, medical intervention. And here you have a medical doctor that is really analyzing every part of your, you know, reproductive cycle. Yes. So, you know, when we start to get into tracking, um, you know, cycle days, and then looking at what are the periods of, you know, the, are the times of the month where, you know, women are most fertile, and right. and then, you know, and then you're giving the directive, or the doctors are giving couples the directive of having what they call timed intercourse. Okay. And right. so, so then we have it doesn't the issue. Sound like, it uh, doesn't sound fun or sexy, right? Exactly. It's hard to access <laughs> your sexy when someone's yes. telling you to do that, and you know, and, right. and then that, that and, and then for some couples too, if there are you know other traumas that have happened, you know, sexually or otherwise, yes. and that becomes another yes. issue, another layer that we have to deal with. Um, so I, I really try to kind of again create that space and for couples to talk about that and to normalize the discomfort because. Because there's there's nothing sexy about being told, you know, when you have to be intimate with your partner and when you want to just this to happen naturally. So, yes, the the sexual issues that we see come from that are are really, are really powerful. And and then another piece that you touched on too, Dr. Denise, was uh, just around how fertility impacts you know, each person at, you know, at their core. So yes. for, for women, if, if I'm not able to reproduce, am I still a woman? And, yes. you know, and, and having, you know, your, your femininity or your masculinity tied to yes. your ability to reproduce. And, you know, how deflating is that when you think about, oh, this isn't happening, so am I, yes. am I woman enough or am I man enough? Yes. And, um, and who am I if, I if I can't do this, if I can't reproduce? And because those yes. are the messages that we're, we're also trying to, to navigate and field. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I can also see there being like a developmental task in not wanting to blame the other spouse so let, let's say it really is not me. Let's say it's really not Absolutely. me. It really is yeah. the man, you know, Absolutely. or vice versa. I mean, Absolutely. I would imagine that, you know, people, oh, no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But it, the longer that this goes on, there's going to be a period where they might be angry at the other person, right? I might blame them. Yeah. And then how are you intimate with someone that you're angry at or that exactly. you're blaming? You know, and then that puts another edge, another wedge into this this whole thing. It's it's just, it's very complex. 
It's really complex, and I was, you know, I was scrolling um, through social media, and I saw a meme that just really epitomized that. Like when you're, when you're the crux of your anger at your spouse, and you're not, you know, you're not trying to be blaming or what have you, but then you're being, you know, your cycle dictates at this moment that you have to be intimate. Yes. Yes. And and I, it, it was such a funny meme in and of itself because sometimes you have to find the humor and the pain, um, yes, you know, when true. you've been when you've been swimming in it for such a long time. That's um, true. You know, I, I do recommend distract healthy doses of distraction within reason. Yes. And so I, I allowed myself to chuckle at that because, you know, it just represented the humanness and the difficulty and the complexity, as you said, around, you know, navigating, navigating that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we've talked about this a little bit, but why mm-hmm. is it so difficult talking about fertility issues? It is so difficult to talk about fertility issues for a variety of reasons that I think also might be cultural. Um, there might okay. be some cultural implications there. Okay. You know, but first and foremost, I mean, you know, we, we just didn't really talk about it before because, you know, people were having children younger. And, and I right. think that when, um, you know, people were getting married earlier, having children earlier, it just became the thing to do and it kind of, you know, there was just, we really didn't talk about, you know, we weren't really talking about mental health issues in general. We weren't talking about a lot of difficult things. So I think as a society, as we've kind of evolved, um, you know, that our conversations about some of our struggles have evolved as well. Um, But I I do know within the, you know, the black community and the Asian community and the Latino community that the conversations have been somewhat delayed in comparison to the white communities. And I don't have the, I don't have the clear data. I'm really going by what, I've seen in my clinical practice and also um, in the support groups that I have run as well. Um, I know for for most women of color, what I've sensed is there's a there, there's a lot of shame, um, yes. much tied to yes. this idea of if I can't, you know, pro- reproduce, then what does that mean about me as a woman? Um, yes. But also, you know, we have this issue within the black community that, you know, talking about mental health issues um, has been taboo. And, you know, yes. I think there's been a push within the last few years to change that narrative and yes. end the stigma. And we've seen a lot of campaigns on social media to do to do that. Um, so I feel like talking about fertility issues is like one step behind that. Um, okay. You know, and seeing the conversation increased for sure, but it's still definitely not there in the same way. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting because black women are actually twice as likely to have fertility issues. Really? 50, wow. Yes. But 50% less likely to seek help for them. So yeah. that data is really staggering. And, you know, and I think what I've also heard and, you know, again, I'm, I don't have the clear data, but, you know, these stereotypes sometimes about black women's fertility. And, you know, so this idea that if we're, you know, that we shouldn't be having any issues. Um, and right. so, I, you know, and, and if nobody's talking about it in your community and you feel like you're the only one and, um, and, your, child, and your friends around you are having children quite easily, right. then that also contributes to the silence that people feel in, in terms of talking about, you know, hey, my husband and I or my partner and I are really struggling to have a child and, you know, I don't know what to do. So, yeah. Yeah. So then what is assisted reproductive technology or ART? Yes. So as you stated, um, 
art is assisted reproduction technology, and it is okay. the surgical removal of you know, a woman's eggs from her ovaries okay. and, com- right. and combining them with, with sperm and, and allowing them to grow in, in a lab okay. and then at a, at a certain point uh, returning that fertilized egg to the woman's uterus in hopes okay. that conception will occur. So, so that is um, part of, like, the IVF process. Okay. Um, it, it can also um, include what we call IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, um, and okay. then we have IVF. Um, and then we also have, um, there are other, the, the technology is just amazing in terms of how it's advancing um, because within the IVF world or ART, mm-hmm. or, um, you will also be able to, they can do testing on the embryos to determine um, you know, if there are any genetic kind of issues. Um, They also are experimenting with um, actually doing more fertilization between the sperm and the egg within the fallopian tube, or, you know, and returning it to the fallopian tube to trying to mimic natural, the natural reproductive cycle as much as possible. So I think, you know, ART is just a really big umbrella um, that has various, that has various levels of intervention depending on what the issue is and what, you know, what, what the couple or individual needs. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is that it sounds very, very expensive. And, yeah. and I wonder if the expense is going to be prohibitive for probably a lot of people of color. Um, you know, and that's a great question. Yes, it, it, it can be expensive. Um, and I also think you have to be really mindful of just looking at what your insurance company will cover because there are certain insurance plans that do include oh, really? fertility. Okay. Yes. So, you know, I always you know, encourage my clients to, to check what, the, you know, what, what their company's uh, insurance plan has to offer. Um, and there are varying levels of intervention, as I stated earlier. And okay. I and I can't stress that enough because, yes, if you think, oh, my gosh, you know, ART means I'm going to have to spend, you know, $20,000, of course, you know, it's really going to overwhelm people and, you know, people will not seek services. But, you know, even before you get to that, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, when I encounter someone who's struggling and I, in, in my sessions, I, I ask them, you know, first of all, in addition to, you know, just honoring their path and how they got there, I, you know, I do yes. ask them, you know, what have you been able, have you gotten tested? Do you know what your hormone levels are? Okay. Um, and, you know, and there are just some tests that are very inexpensive okay. that can give okay. people, um, you know, and even if it's not covered by insurance. And, and I right. realize, you know, you know, spending a couple of hundred dollars is still, you know, that's still, you know, a, that's still a lot of money. Um, yes, yes, it is. Um, comparatively speaking, to the twenty thousand, and you know, in terms of being able to get some answers, you know, it's it's important to kind of consider is that helpful to give you the information because okay. sometimes having information helps helps soothe the anxiety. And so when we don't have and when we don't have the information, then we're going to fill in the blanks with the worst case right. scenarios. Yes. So sometimes yes. just knowing little things about um, 
you know, about uh, just where your numbers are, your hormonal levels. Um, okay. are, are, and, and so what I would end up doing, actually, when I was going through IVF, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. actually get my, my regular medical doctor to do the, the blood work instead of paying okay. the, 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 the specialist to do it. Because okay. if I had the specialist do it, my insurance wouldn't cover it. But my, right. you know, if my, in, if my internist did, then, and then it would get covered. And they, okay. would, you know, they, could, they could code it differently. So there are some yeah. tricks to the, tr- the trade that um, <laughs> okay. I think can help people you know, get, 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 get the answers that they need um, and to okay. do it in an ethical way, um, but, right. you know, to still get the answers that they need, but just to kind of figure out, okay, you know what, when you're starting out, you don't necessarily need to go right to IVF. Right, and right. that is not that's not what they're suggesting, and okay. and most doctors, you know, will you know take you along or let you know what to expect at each at each stage. But um, okay. but I will say this too. I think it's so important for people who are going through this struggle, and and I. Um, and I wish more doctors were saying this when couples were, you know, or individuals are presenting with fertility issues. It's to seek out help immediately, um, yes. you know, to seek the help of a therapist, um, yes. a therapeutic coach, a licensed, you know, um, a licensed mental health professional who specializes in fertility issues because that is, you know, and when we were talking about the mind-body connection yes. earlier, um, Dr. Alice Domar, who's a, a psychologist, um, uh, at the University of Massachusetts, um, mm-hmm. who started the first mind-body program for fertility patients. And so her wow. data is really groundbreaking and helping okay. us learn that, you know, whether or not we know if it's the stress or not that, co- that causes the infertility or the infertility causes the stress, She's, you know, she found that, you know, if we have certain tools to manage the anxiety, the depression, or, you know, any of the symptoms that come up, we get to improve our chances. So I really hope that, you know, anybody who needs to hear this, you know, can yes. hold on to, you know, these strategies that we're talking about for managing the emo- our emotions okay. and managing the stress are only there to help you improve, you know, your yes. outcome. And yes. we found that when, you know, people were going through a program, a, a you know, really structured mind-body program where they learn these techniques, that they had a 50%, an increase of 50% in terms of their nice. pregnancy outcomes. So, so it's very promising. So, yeah, Excellent. So that's a lot. <laughs> Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is there any stigma regarding fertility issues or, or the fertility procedures? Well, as far as the stigma regarding fertility issues, I, you know, sometimes I think I, I've noticed for, for men and, you know, being able to honor that, you know, they might have issues with their sperm. And, you know, there's right. sometimes I think this, you know, this attachment to being able to reproduce and, you know, like not being able to look at, oh, there's an right. issue with morphology or motility or what have you. Right. Um, so um, that I think is, that stigma has been, I think, pretty um, pretty powerful for men. And then okay. I think for women, um, it's I, I just think you know it, it's not. I think the stigma that women are experiencing is is just what? Who am I if I'm not able to reproduce and right. I'm not able to have a child? Right. And so yeah, and right. I think. And as far as what you were saying regarding the procedures per se, yeah. I, I don't think there's. 
there used to be a little bit more shame associated with, you know, oh, I had to conceive my children via IVF. But I think, again, as we see that more couples are speaking about their journeys, um, it right. is de- it's decreasing that stigma as you right. see more people around you do it. So you know that you're not the only one. Right. You know, you're not the only right. one experiencing this. Right. You know, the mm-hmm. thought that I had about uh, the stigma regarding the procedures, you know, I still know some very old school Christian types mm-hmm. that don't don't take well to the idea of man, you know, let's just say yeah. taking some sperm and taking some eggs and like mixing yeah. it up and then doing something yeah. with it and then yeah. putting it back in there. I yeah. mean, some yeah. of them have yeah. a very strong belief yeah that, you know, man doing that would be outside of what God's, uh, you know, I don't know, intent or, or intent, best practices yes. would be, right? So yeah, what, what yeah. would you say to that? Because I'm sure that we probably have some people in the audience that might be, you know, thinking that way or feeling that way. You know, and absolutely. And, you know, and it's funny that you should say that because whenever I feel like I have a question like this, I, I, um, I, one that is deeply rooted in in, right. in religion. I wish I could talk to my dad about this. <laughs> he's, very, he's, he's very learned about that, you know, about okay. this topic, uh, about the Bible in ways that I, I just, yes. I'm not. And, you know, and I, I totally respect that, that wealth of, of knowledge, um, right. you know, and, and so I first and foremost, I just honor that, you know, that that's a very real consideration. Um, right. And, you know, and so I also honor that. I, I just believe, I mean, we talk about this balance between science and, you know, and God. And yes. I just, but I also believe that if we believe that all things kind of come from God, then yes. this is something that God created too. Um, yes. So I, I see this as a branch of what was created from above. Um, yes. And that's how I see, that's how I see therapy too, because I work with, yes. with clients who are, um, who are struggling with, you know, even wanting to come to therapy because, and are feeling like they're not good Christians for seeking out yes. therapy, that somehow they're, they're not yes. faithful enough. And I'm like, oh, right. no, absolutely. You know, this doesn't right. mean that you're not faithful. This is just right. about getting, you know, a little bit more of a blueprint for how to manage and, do, right. and, and weaving that in with the blueprint that you're getting biblically. And so right. I think, you know, it's not saying that you – you know, and it's using the, the two um, together as opposed to saying, you know, it's therapy or it's the Bible. Absolutely right. not. Right. Absolutely right. not. I think you can see so many parallels. And so, yeah. um, you know, so that's what I, that's the message that I try to convey yeah. while also honoring, you know, the very real concern and, you know, a, right. a belief system about really, you know, messing with what God has intended. And, um, right. you know, and so I, I definitely am not, you know, trying to, tell anybody not to feel that way. Um, I think course. you have to, you know, just really honor yeah. that. And, um, and I just come from this position of I just believe that, you know, this is all coming from God. Well, I think this is an excellent place for a break. Please join us after the break when my guest, licensed mental health professional, Dr. Lori Johnson, who practices in Hermosa Beach, California, We'll talk more about the fertility journey and pregnancy loss.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the topic for today's show is the fertility journey and pregnancy loss, traditional and holistic tools to manage the unexpected and the unimaginable. And my guest is licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lori Johnson, who practices in Hermosa Beach, California. Yes. But I also know that we have to honor the, the difficult, you know, um, you know, the, the, the difficult kind of ethical issues because, you know, sometimes we are seeing now that, you know, like and we're having to answer questions about what to do with couples who have created multiple embryos that yes. they no longer yes. can use. Right. And, and, right. and we're also seeing, um, you know, we're, and, but also what's happening with some of this is that, you know, people who have these additional embryos, they're donating them to couples who, yes. you know, really want to be, you know, parents. And so, right. um, you know, so it's it's definitely a tricky conversation, it and is. I just think it's important to create that space and honor that, right. and and, be, and because you know some people have had you know some ethical concerns about you know well what happens if we make more embryos, and again right. that's why having having the conversation with your doctor, your medical yes. doctor, is so important because there is a branch of IVF that's called what we call mini IVF, so okay. <clears throat> and. And, and how it's considered mini is because it, it's it's kind of like IVF light. So if IVF okay. means that you are taking, um, you know, a, what we call a full protocol of, you know, medications, um, okay. these are, um, you know, you're kind of injecting twice a day. You're really trying to okay. get as many eggs as you can. So sometimes, right. you know, like, you know, you see women producing 10 eggs in one cycle. Um, okay. with, with mini IVF, that they might be taking just Clomid with, you know, small doses of, of, of other meds to boost egg production, but the expectation is only producing one or two eggs at okay. a time. Right. And so that can be another option for people who are worried about producing way too yeah. many eggs or having way too many embryos. Um, right. But it's important to talk with your medical doctor to see, you know, just what's going to make sense in terms of cost as well and, you know, yes, because and, – and also just knowing how your body is going to respond to the procedures. So, yes. But, yeah. Well, yeah. It just, it just mm-hmm. goes to show, again, it is more complex um, than it Absolutely. looks. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it is. It absolutely. is. It Yeah. So – can I have you talk some about the pain surrounding infertility, pregnancy loss, and miscarriage? Absolutely. Um, I, I probably should share a little bit about my journey and my pregnancy losses because, you know, I, I did get married later in life in my late 30s, and so um, I'd never been pregnant and didn't know if I could get pregnant, and then I decided, right. you know, to stay, I was like six months after we got married, and, and I was aware of my age, but I was like, okay, let's, well, yeah, I guess we should try, and, right. Um, right. And, and I was actually one of those women who never worried about her fertility, um, and I was seeing women get pregnant, you know, in their late 30s, 40s 
is no problem. So I just figured wow. I would be one of them. Yeah. And um, and I got pregnant quite easily the first couple of times okay. um, within, a, within a month or two of trying. And so my first pregnancy um, ended in what we call a missed miscarriage, which okay. is where, you, you know, the, 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 the baby is, fetus is not growing um, and, and, and has basically died and your body okay. hasn't really passed it yet. So, um, and, uh, so I chose to what we do, what we call miscarry, na- miscarry naturally, which means I did okay. not want to have a, a DNC. Um, okay. I wanted to allow my body to take course naturally. And so, yeah. um, and so I did end up miscarrying, um, and which they say is kind of like a period, but it was worse than than, than a period for, for me. Okay. Um, and, All right. And that happened at 11 weeks. And then my second pregnancy, um, again, happened rel- relatively easily. And, um, and we lost that baby um, in our second trimester due to Down syndrome. Um, and, yeah, so that was... Um, so you just and, and I think just experiencing the first miscarriage and knowing that it's common, but still kind of going through you know this the sense of loss and asking myself, right. did I have a right to be sad about this? Or you know, women right. go through this all the time. Um, you know, I really wanted to get through that pain as quickly as I could, and um, you know, so that was my first kind of experience with with miscarriage after the first loss and then going into the second pregnancy there was a lot of fear around um, you know just miscarriage again you know and what I didn't know was just that you know pregnancy symptoms or excuse me you know miscarriage symptoms spotting things like that can actually be the same as you know implantation or you know just so many of the symptoms really mimicked themselves in the first trimester so there was this intense anxiety with this with the the second pregnancy and so as we approached the first trimester or the end of the first trimester you know I was still super anxious but also you know and I'm worried about you know miscarriage again and uh And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, moving into the second, you know, trimester, and that's, I'd gotten my, my, my blood work back that something was wrong and, you know, and we did some testing which confirmed that and then, you know, and as we're kind of thinking about what, you know, just settling into what this is going to be and then, right. you know, our son, you know, had other, had other plans. Um, so we lost him and, um, and so by that point, um, I think that was, and when I talk about pregnancy loss, I think for me that was my most significant loss. Um, All right. And and I think when I, and and I and that was my second of of four, which you wow. know I, I think every loss really changes you in different ways. And so, okay. And so when we lost our son, I, I just really went into this space of despair and. Um, disbelief, um, you know, that this was happening to me. I think I was really in a daze for a long time. And, and so then, you know, also, you know, just knowing, you know, my age and and then my doctor, you know, was really encouraging me to, to move forward because, you know, just because of biology and it's like, Mm -hmm. it's hard to move forward, you know, with these measures when you're just really still trying to cope emotionally. So I learned a lot about how to navigate pain and, and, and really understanding the stages of grief from a personal perspective and not just from a clinical one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, 
you know, feeling pushed into the IVF world, which I think is a very intense world. Um, and we went through, we, I did many IVF. I started off with okay. doing what we call the full protocol, and that wasn't okay. really a good fit, good fit for me. And so I did the mini IVF. And, okay. and, um, and so to do that, even for after a year and a half, and to, I only, we only got a chemical pregnancy out of that. So a, a chemical pregnancy is basically a very early miscarriage. Um, so, you know, so I think it was, and I think, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure familiar with Gabrielle Union's, um, story, um, her fertility journey, but when she just talked about living in the state of disappointment after just kind of, you know, because so much of this process is based on disappointment, um, that was kind of par for the course for me. So pregnancy loss is, is, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting, it's an interesting journey. Um, I've 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 met some really amazing women along in that along that journey. You know, right. it's really helped I think me learn how to navigate my grief differently, and has also empowered me to help others navigate theirs. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, it's, yes. it's it's yeah. So when we're learning how to work with clients who are dealing with grief in graduate school and in our training, I'm like, you know what, this, yes. this, this, I felt so ill prepared, and you know, and I, and I can see all the grief work that I had done before, and and in how it's changed now, or you know, as, as since I've gone through my own journey. Um, yes, I'm I'm much more attuned to the process for my clients because of what I've gone through, and. Right. Um, and so I, right. I just always let people know it's 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 your journey, it's your journey, yes. and and it's your timeline, and yes. it's your grief, and you yes. have to honor it in ways that are that are meaningful to you. So right. so my so my journey has been an honor, you know, of my children that are on the other yes. side, um, yes. and and, yes. and and hopefully, you know, if one or two decide to come, I'm I'm open to that as well. But, you know, it's just honoring. You just have to take it day by day. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, this has been a fascinating show. <laughs> thank you. I want to thank you so much for You're being a welcome. guest today. I, I love the idea of, like I said, not only talking about the medical piece and the mental health piece, but also talking about the alternative and holistic piece. Because, again, I think that when clients can have these things integrated into whatever they're doing, I think that they have the best outcome as opposed to doing any one thing, you know, by itself. Absolutely. So thank you for you know, being an example of how those things can come together so well and so nicely. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And how can the audience contact you if they wanted more information? So I can be reached via Instagram at Dr. Lori Johnson, and that's D-R-L-O-R-E-E Johnson, or I can be reached via my website at drlorijohnson.com. Excellent. Excellent. So at the end of my show, I always ask my guests to either say a prayer or a blessing or an affirmation over the audience about today's topic. So I'm going to ask you to do that for me now. Okay. Giving thanks to our Creator from whom all blessings flow. So I want to thank, give thanks for, for being here and, you know, for have this platform to educate and to help and to inspire others who need it. Just being thankful of you know being in a space of being able to be of service to others who need it and providing that comfort. And in the name of your Father, our Father, 
Amen. Amen and amen. As we continue in prayer, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you, O God, for another opportunity to speak your name. I praise you and thank you, O God, for giving us a venue in the marketplace, O God, where your name has the preeminence, O God. I lift up my wonderful guest to you today, O God, Dr. Lori Johnson, O God. I thank you, O God, how you've had your hand on her life from the time she was in her mother's womb, O God. I thank you, O God, how you have been with her, O God, and have encouraged her and undergirded her, O God, even through her own pain and loss of pregnancy, O God. I thank you, O God, that those things in her life, O God, that caused her grief, O God, I thank you that from those things in her, O God, you have resurrected life, not only for her, O God, but to give her the grace to now give back to others the things that you have poured into her. I thank you for the hope that that inspires. I thank you for the inspiration that that inspires, O God, and I speak peace and life and love and blessings and healing over her and all the clients that you bring across her path, O oh God. I speak today, O oh God, over those women who find themselves having difficulty conceiving and those women who have suffered the loss of miscarriage, O oh God. I speak life into them now, O oh God. I thank you, O oh God, that we can take authority over whatever is hindering them in this area, O oh God. And I thank you that through you, through their spirit, through the wisdom of science, O oh God, you will give them the faith and the answer, O oh God. Those that need to be comforted, O oh God, I thank you that you will do a special thing for them this day, O oh God, to show them that they are not alone, that you are still with them, that you are still working things out on their behalf. I ask you to minister to them gently and tenderly, right at the point of their need, O oh God, regarding their questions, their answers, and their pain. I just commit to this topic. I commit these sweet ones. I commit this radio station. I commit my guest. I even commit myself into your hands. In the name of your son, whom I adore dearly. Amen and amen. You have been listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson. And this show will be available to you to listen to on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash spiritual principles for emotional healing. Because I am believing God that as you repeatedly listen to these prayers, He will heal your brokenness the same way He has used these prayers to minister to my brokenness. Also, if you scroll to the bottom of the page, some of my earlier shows are dedicated to discussing the specific principles God uses in emotional healing, like the power of love, emotional intimacy, empowerment through suffering, and healing through words. There are also past shows about depression and trauma. And if you have extra time, I would direct you to my shows Stigma and Denial and Dating with Stigma and Denial because these shows look at our resistance to dealing with our emotional issues in a way that is fun and fanciful. As always, it is my joy and honor to have you with me every time you tune in. And lastly, I want you to always remember where your spirit leads, your emotions, 
power and destiny will follow.